Welcome to another episode of the OYMB Podcast Series 3. Today, we are joined by a true authority in the personal development realm. Ollie Ollerton is a UK Special Forces operative, best-selling author, star of hit television series SAS, Who Dares Wins, and founder of Breakpoint, where he provides leadership and development courses to the corporate and public sector that leverages the Special Forces mindset. Ollie has seen the world's harshest environments, fought in war zones, and emerged from the darkest of personal struggles. From the battlefields to the boardrooms, Ollie is on a mission to improve mental and physical toughness. Join us today as we explore Ollie's story of resilience and transformation, how he empowers others through his powerful mental strategies, and how he's inspiring others to push the boundaries of human potential. And not only that, that he considers taking a break from alcohol to be the first step to getting that mindset. All right, let's welcome to the show, Ollie Ollerton. Ollie, so good to have you back on the podcast. How are you, my man? I'm really good, Rory. It's been a long time. It's... How long has it been? So much has happened. Years, years since you were beasting me around the countryside. You know what? I often forget about that. I bet you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember how much I was whinging. Oh, it was the being gagged, bagged, taped, and, and listening to death metal, which I think was the high point um, in, that, in, in that enclosed whatever it was. Absolutely. So, Ollie, um, why don't you give us a, um, a little bit of background in your own words? I mean, it's been a long time since you've been on the podcast, and I'm sure yeah. lots of new listeners. So, yeah. Yeah, well, my name is Ollie Ollison. I came from the shadows to the spotlight in 2015 um, on a hit show in the UK called SAS Who Dares Wins. So, to that end, I'm a former UK Special Forces soldier, um, and um, obviously the show was focusing on um, the mindset and the lives of Special Forces soldiers. Um, that kind of leap into the spotlight has given me some amazing opportunities. Although um, celebrity, I still am not at ease with that term. Um, but um, it has given me what I wanted, and that was a voice. Uh, and I feel that from the opportunity of being given that gift, which it was a gift, and still is a gift. Um, I, I feel I've got a duty to change as many lives as possible um, through my own experiences. So that's what I set out to do. I've got a company called Breakpoint, um, which really, um, if I had to say one line, it changes the way people think. Um, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Although it has changed a fair bit since uh, since those old days. So, um, um, yeah, and uh, obviously from my... Um, from that exposure again, I've I've written five books, and um, I see every opportunity as a platform to to influence and inspire people to 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 really adjust to to positive change. Amazing, uh, and um, that you exactly have been doing. So to go back and give a little bit of context as well um, from my part here, I think I saw you post on Instagram that you were thinking about doing. Well, actually, it's not true. One of our members, one of your Nobia members, um, posted, commented about your post on Instagram about you thinking about going alcohol-free. Um, and that's when we really kick-started a, a conversation yeah. going. Um, and back then, well, for a little while, you were helping us. You were raising awareness about OAMB and, and doing some awesome things like that. Um, and myself, Mr. Andy Ramage, and uh, my wife, Jen, I think it was just the three of us, yeah. Um, we decided to come down onto one of your breakpoint days. Mm. Um, what were those? What, what, what were those days about? Well, to cut a long story short, when I first came, I came back to the UK, battered and broken, and realizing I needed to change. Although I hadn't got a grip on my drinking, I did the first biggest step, and this is what I tell a lot of people that say the same to me. One of the biggest steps you can take is the fact that you become aware that it, it that it is an issue drinking. And um, so when I came back to the UK, I I locked myself away and um, I really started to to remap who I was. But back then, I didn't really ever believe that I could ever stop drinking. It was such a massive part of my life. You know, 
it was it was quite incredible. So and going back to the the, the sort of face to face part of the business with the fact that um, you know I locked myself in, in this house away in this house and I was doing all kinds of things, practices and and things that I didn't know whether they worked or not. It was quite interesting because I do talk about this, the power of visualization and everything, which I'm a massive, massive believer in. Uh, and, and my visualization every day in that house, Rory, was to have a business that took corporates and basically gave them a special forces experience. And that was actually a vision. I'd actually come just come back from Australia. I was actually working for a mining company and I was flying across this open expanse. And I looked out the window and I saw it. And I saw all these corporates running across this open ground, you know, on a, an escape and evasion type exercise. And I got so excited on this plane. I was off. Does that include Morag from accounts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I got so excited. And, and that, was the, that was the seed that was sowed back then. And then I came back. And my visualization every day was to do that. You know, so I take corporates, put them through a special forces experience. Um, so that they could get a look at themselves from the inside out and, and break down the facade and all that kind of thing. And I did that every day. I, I visualized that every day in my meditations. Um, and I also visualized about being on stage every day. Um, and I went into that visualization in so much detail that when I was on stage, I could feel the shirt on my back, the shoes on my feet, the expensive watch on my arm. And I lived and breathed it through all of my five senses um, every day. And then... At the end of three months, when I was just about getting frustrated, just about to throw in the towel and say, this stuff's a load of mumbo jumbo, you know, woo woo, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's when the phone rang and the phone and, and that phone was, was channel four basically saying, do you want to do, uh, would you like to be involved in the show that takes people and puts them through a special forces experience? It was exactly the blueprint, exactly the blueprint. So really, that that's how it took shape. They called you out of the blue. What, what? Why did they call you out of the blue? Well, basically, they it was through Foxy they called. So they they spoke to Foxy. Foxy and me reunited after thirteen years apart. And um, you know, I told him my my ideas. You know, Foxy at that stage was kind of um, very much a silent partner. Foxy. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was kind of invested in the same ideas. But then, um, you know, he'd, I actually, sh two days before that phone call happened, I shouted at the top of my voice in this house because the seed of self-doubt was starting to eat away and say, you're wasting your time. You know, this, everyone's laughing at you, blah, blah, blah. The thousand person audience is laughing at you, all this and the other. And I shouted at the top of my voice, just give me something. I wanted the phone to ring or something to happen. And then two days, nothing happened at that moment in time, but two days after Foxy phoned me and said, hey, you know that idea you've got for Breakpoint, would you consider doing that on TV? And that was that was the call. And basically Channel 4 have been looking for former Special Forces soldiers to do this show with. So, um, yeah. you know, for me, that, that was a special moment. And I, the hairs, every time I tell the story, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up as they did when that phone call came in. Yeah. People say, you know, or, or when th when weird stuff happens, I, I've, I've removed that word weird and I've removed the word coincidence. Exactly. Because it's yeah. not weird and it's not coincidence. You know, it's like, this, this is synergy. We've, it's like, we, we're gonna, we're, we've branded it the OIMB magic so that we can just talk yeah. about it on a regular basis. Um, because yeah. the serendipity shows up, the person mm. calls, the thing happens, and everyone's like, yeah. oh my good Lord, that's unbelievable. I can't believe that. So it's no, no, yeah. it's just the sign you're going in the right direction. Yeah, no, 100%. And I really believe, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I've got to line up the opportunities. The, the opportunities are already lined up. It's you that's got to line yourself up for you to see them. And that's exactly what happens in that moment. Because as soon as I started investing in me and really started to look after myself, mind, body, and nutrition and everything else, that's when those opportunities started showing up. Yeah. You know, so, so I, you know, and it's, it's quite incredible. And once you start to realize that, once you get a taste of that, it's, it's like, it's all you need for that to be absolutely contagious. You can't have enough of it after, after you know that stuff works. It's like, it's free, <laughs> but it offers you the biggest reward ever. So, anyway, the, the fact that the question was going to your question was the fact that that's where the courses were born from. The fact we were on TV and I was like, right, we need to start these courses. You know, and and do this sort of special forces experience, very much like the the vision I'd had. But uh, the whole point of it was to tap into people's mindset 
create a platform that 99.9% of people had never really experienced so that we could create an area of or feeling of vulnerability um, which helps people bond when 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 ego is nowhere to be seen when it's not when you when the pressure's on you know people start to bond and people start to get a true reflection of who they are and that's what it was all created around and that, uh, it's an it's an amazing experience which we'll come back on to one set but i just want to go back to because you said you know you're a massive believer in the power of visualization and this is mm-hmm. something we use in our programs and we talk about but, and I know you were dropping in there some uh, insights into how to do the visualization. Mm. But from your perspective, how does someone do this visualization? What's the actual practice that somebody should be doing? Yeah, well, for me, I mean, you have to make it as real as possible. The thing is, you know, if people have to start to understand you've got the, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, and the subconscious mind is um, is the blind master but it needs to be convinced by the conscious mind and it's no fool. So you've got to be extremely convincing when you tell the subconscious mind something has happened that hasn't really happened, but you want it to happen. You know, so for me, you know, being on stage, I had to put myself there. It had to be something I was, I could, I had to taste it in my spit. I had to hear it through all my, you know, through my, my, my sight, my smell, my touch, my taste. Through every all of my five senses, I had to had to create the moment as if it was there, um, and live every time just to get that feeling. And you're convincing the subconscious mind that that is exactly where you are. And once you do that, that's when the opportunities start to start to really start to flow and start to become apparent. You know, if people who are skeptic try and make sense of it, at the end of the day, it can simply make you take a left turn instead of a right when it's leading towards your opportunities you know it's as simple as that and you know people you know meetings of people random uh circumstances where you meet certain people it's like for me going into that house you know and people i talk about that three months it changed the vibration of the person i was it changed the frequency of the person i was and the person i was when i went into that house three months before would not have been in any circumstance or environment when that opportunity for SAS Who Dares Wins would have been presented. Yeah. But the person I became throughout that three months of really focusing on me, changing my mindset, changing um, my repeat uh, habits, my past behaviors. Patterns, yeah. Um, you know, he's, and um, I'd really start to focus on a vision for the future. So, you know, it's just extremely powerful. And this is, I think, you know, for me, and this is obviously something you know too well, Rory, and it's the fact when it came to my drinking, I didn't have a drinking problem. I had a problem that was causing me to drink. And, you know, you can't get to the, you know, it's like a lot of people come to me for advice. You know, it's a, a lot of veterans as well. And I always say the first question is, are you drinking? Because if you are drinking and you're consuming alcohol and you don't see that as... um something you need to address then you're never going to get anywhere because you can't get to the raw nerve of the issue and that's what you need to clear the smoke screen you know so it was a really important and powerful process for me and i didn't stop drinking until it would be a a year later till i filmed the second series of sas who there's been but i was i was in battle by that time you know what i mean i was in battle when i say that every time i had a drink it was a battle you know, it was, it was the, the the regret, knowing I shouldn't be doing it, knowing I didn't have a healthy relationship with it, knowing it wasn't um, positively serving me. Um, you know, the battle was on, and it had been on for a long time, a long time, and it's taxing, isn't it? Yeah, exhausting. Yeah. And um, so, what do you think? What do you think you, when you said you, it wasn't that alcohol was the problem? You had the problem. So, what did you do to address the thing that was causing it? Um, well, really, for me, you know, I I needed to, unless we take directive action on something that we want in the future, we become a carbon copy of our past behaviours. And over, you know, over a good number of years, I had adopted this whenever I wasn't working just to, to consume alcohol. You know, and if you take it back to the earliest days, you know, from when people start drinking, it's to mask an emotion, isn't it? And it's the, it's the easiest go-to, you know, for me, it was renting a personality when I was going out socially. It was having the confidence to be around women, you know, especially when it came to intimacy. 
you know, and that became, you know, I don't think, I, I don't really think I had a relationship with until my current wife where I had sober intimacy. And it's like every occasion in my past was just surrounded by alcohol. And that was created since I was a very young lad, you know. So, you know, to change those, yeah, to change those patterns, you know, that becomes part of the program. And I say this to, to you know, I do a lot of corporate, corporate work. It's no different. You know, when you drive in a car, remember the first time you jump in that car and it's like mayhem, isn't it? You know, you've got your indicators, you've got your mirrors, you've got other people on the road. It's absolute cognitive overload. And you think, how am I ever, ever going to be relaxed doing this? But then over time, as you get used to doing that, because it's a repeat habit, it then gets offloaded into your subconscious mind, which basically makes it part of the program. And this is exactly the same with drinking, isn't it? You know, you go to take the drink and it's a subconscious behavior or any kind of compulsive habit. You know, you come to, you take the action and before you know it, you in, you know, you're in, in a world of regret the next day thinking, how did that happen? Yeah. It's part of the program. And it's like the first time for me when that changed was when I actually was, you know, I, I stopped drinking before SAS series two. I thought I'm going to give it my best shot. And it wasn't the best before. I was never that confident when I was uh, reeling from a hangover. I don't think anyone is really, but, um, or <laughs> sometimes you're overconfident. Um, but for me, it was like, you know, eight weeks leading up to and including the filming and then Foxy saying to me, right, you know, and I agreed with him, you know, after the filming, let's get absolutely smashed. You know, I believe that was going to happen. And it was the first time I can remember it was like, I was about to fall into that program, which was right. Come on, let's, the, the, the camera stopped rolling. Let's get on it. Massive rap party. Absolutely going mental. And for the first time ever, I took a breath. I took that breath and I pulled that behavior from the subconscious into the conscious mind and questioned it. And I questioned it and said, do I want to go there? And I started thinking, well, look at all the clarity. Look at all this. Look how good you're feeling. And I just went, breathed out and went, no. It was the hardest thing actually moving away from that and going to my room when I heard everyone else, you know, on the, on the, on the lash that night getting on it. Um, but it was the best thing ever. Amazing. And so since then, you've now, you're alcohol-free and that's it, you're done? 100%. I did relapse. I did relapse. I went back, you know, because I, I got to the point where I thought, I'm missing out. We went to film over in Ecuador. Well, not Ecuador. This is when we're filming in Chile, actually. We had a really long stint because we had two lots to film. And then everyone was talking about the drinks we're going to have in between the two things. And I was like, the odd one out. And I just went, oh, you know what? I'm good now. I've controlled it. Da, 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 da. Anyway, that started me back on an eight-month journey of drinking. And the same things were just starting to occur. And I can always remember I went eight months in and my wife, she wasn't my wife then, but she'd gone away to away with some friends. And I was, I'd just come back from a recce for one of the series up in Scotland and Sky. And um, I can remember I'd got, we'd been drinking all week absolutely getting hammered um and i got home on the saturday morning well i got home on the friday night woke up on the saturday morning house to myself just me and the dog slumped downstairs at like nine o'clock and i just flopped on the couch and i went you know what i've worked hard for the last we fancy a beer i well not even not even that at that stage but I've, I've worked hard all week and you know what i'm not going to do anything today i'm just going to watch telly and do nothing and I, I lay down and it must have been a couple of minutes in put something on tv and my head then went said what are you doing mm. and my head just said if you hadn't been drinking all week you would be out there on the hills with your dog enjoying this beautiful weather and doing something very different and that was it i just went right that's it no more and that was it good for you amazing so yeah how long's that been there well, that was back in 2018. Good lad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you've been kind of um, helping to inspire others to to, to do the same. Um, it's a, a feature in probably book two onwards. That, have I got my timing right there? Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. I th I, actually, <laughs> in my book two, I think it actually says that I started drinking again. Right. But obviously, yeah, obviously that's not. But uh, anyway, but the thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the thing about drinking, it's, I, I will not, 
I'll not ever try and force or coerce anyone into stopping drinking. If someone wants to stop and they show a definite need to stop, then I will help them. But as you know, Rui, people have got to want to change. And if they don't want to willing. change, yeah, then it will never happen. But, you know, if someone's willing to put in the, the time and effort and they recognize that there's 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 no real benefit to their drinking and they need to stop, then I'll, I'll, ha I'll help them as much as possible. But when it comes to doing things on a public level, you know, I'm I'm more than happy to shout to the rooftops about the the the, uh, the benefits and the beauty of sobriety. Good man, amazing. Um, and so let's go back a, a little step because you know the the is obviously this is one tiny element of what you're up to. Um, mm. In 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 your books, you know, mindset is really something you are absolutely fanatical about. Um, and helping people with that. So tell us a bit about mindset. What have you done around mindset? What is some of your latest thinking? Um, I'll tell you what, the biggest thing for me is, and I, you know, I, I, I do focus on this because I feel I've, I'm, I'm quite qualified to do so as well. And that is the fact that people need to start to become aware. I, th I think it's a massive discovery when we start to become aware of our primal coding and when I say that, that is the fact that there's no stronger driving force in each and every person on this planet than their desire for survival. Not how many followers they've got on Egogram, not how many, uh, not how, not the house they've got, not their KPIs at work, not you know, none of that stuff. It's their desire for survival, and that is the subconscious behaviour. Now, when it comes to 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 that primal coding. It's um, it has some quite it can have some quite negative effects unless we're aware of what's going on. Now, when I get people to say just just imagine you go to a a networking event, and we've all done this, so see if you this relates to anyone listening. You go and meet loads of people, and you shake their hands, and you get their names, and then you walk out the other side, and you go, I've not got a clue what their names are. You know, if you met them a few seconds later, you would not be able to say, bang, I know your name, blah, blah, blah. And the reason for that is, is because when you meet someone new, your mind is scanning for threat. And it's going through the thousands of different people that you've got in your database, the image you've got in your database, and it's adding that to an emotion, trying to add it to an emotion. When it can't find that picture to add to an emotion, you are on high alert. Names are absolutely irrelevant. So that's how strong that driving force is within, within each and every one of us. Now, also within that, the fact that the repeat habit loop, and I think this is really relevant when it comes to, um, you know, especially when it comes to drinking or compulsive behaviors and habits, is the fact that our minds want us to do what we did yesterday and the day before that because it's kept us alive until today. It doesn't care if it's a good situation or a bad situation. Your mind is absolutely focused on repetition. You know, that really goes back to those very primal days. You're never going to remember all the nice fruits that you tasted. You're going to remember the one bad berry that nearly killed you and made, or made you sick and could have killed you. And that is that primal behavior. No, that is why we are always looking for what could go wrong in, in everything that we do. There's absolutely yeah. no benefit when it comes to survival to be positive. So this is why we are so addicted to negativity. Um, and also that repeat behavior, you know, it's, it's really, you know, when you look at the whole programming thing, because when you're born into this world, you, are, you come with this default setting, and that is the survival instinct. That is your survival program. That's like you getting a brand new computer with no programs on it. That's the, that's the operating system it comes with. And then from the ages of zero to seven, you are on record. That is where all your programming is done. And that's created from your environment, from your siblings, um, from your parents, some good, some bad, but it basically, you are on record. So basically that is your system. That's you getting ready for the environment that you're going to be um, living in. And then what that means then is we learn more in those seven years than we'll learn in our whole lives. Um, and that, by the time you're 30, that is 95% of your daily behaviors. You only have 5% of creative bandwidth in your frontal cortex. So for anyone to think that, you know, for me, it was like, I was like, I, I knew exactly the road to change. 
I know exactly. Right. You're drinking, you're abusing yourself, you're going on binges, you're doing this. It's not doing you any good. You've got a, a, like a, a whirlwind of destruction behind you. Stop. But you can't, can you? You see, just because it's easy doesn't make it simple. <laughs> you know, it's, why is that then? Why, why can't we just stop then? And that is because that is, is part of the program. You know, there's only three ways you can influence the subconscious mind. And that is, first of all, your, um, the programming from zero to seven. Um, second, a highly emotional impact. And that can be a positive thing, can be a negative thing. You know, for me, 10 years old, being attacked by a chimp at the circus, that's another story. But that was a high emotional impact. You know, that can be a positive thing also, like if you end up, you know, married to the person that you, you know, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So it's positive and negative. And the third thing is practice, repeat. Practice, repeat, practice, repeat. They're the three things. That's how you influence the subconscious mind. And nothing in your world can ever change unless you change the energy of who you are. 100%. You know, this, how we're programmed to believe is the fact that everything is external. Happiness, um, achievement, everything is external. It's an external fix. And that's, you know, you, you imagine people... They want to start a business. They they go out there. They get a loan. Da da da. For for a short period of time, it's going to be it's going to be different. It's going to have changed. Your, your environment's going to have changed. But before long, you you dovetail straight back into your old habits and behaviours. And it's the same with like starting a new job. Your jobs, you're not feeling it at work. It's nothing's happening. It's really good. You're falling out with everyone at work. You're falling out with your boss. Change job. Yep, you change job and then you're on best behavior. It's the same with any new relationship. And then before you know it, once the frontal cortex gets gets worn out because it's only 5%, you fall back into the 95% program, which takes you back to exactly where you were before. So that really is where all the work has to be done to change that subconscious programming. And I think if people just really started to understand that, of how the system works, you know, people people know how their phone works better than they do. Yeah. You know, and it's like, uh, but the thing is, what I say about the phone, the phone is actually designed from a human basis. It's like a phone works on frequency, um, you know, it works on frequency and in that frequency is, is information. The higher the frequency, the better the vibration. And people don't understand that this is who we are. We are energy and everything around us is vibrating. I don't want to get too deep and scare everyone off, but everything in our world is vibrating at different frequencies. Everything has a signature. Um, so once we start to understand and get into the, you know, get into the operating system of who we are, I feel we can then really start to understand that we can change. Yeah, fundamentally change rather yeah. than short term. Think, yeah, no, exactly. It goes back before, before, just before you yeah. get into um, how, because I, I want to dig into that with you. I just want to reiterate, you know, um, what you've said there is it's mad music to my ears because this is exactly the work that we get people to do in really control and yeah. and you know our part of here is that this zero to seven is really under the word trauma right big trauma little trauma but it's the things that you perceived as a child you didn't understand you made some hard coding about yourself and now they're running on our subconscious patterns every day all day in every area our relationships our business how we show up everything and mm. and i think you know you've just nailed that exactly on the head and unless we address that core and this is the thing that i feel regret about genuinely like mm. i should be incredibly proud of the work that one year no beer has done but yet i still feel regret and that is because in a way getting somebody to stop drinking for a month or stop drinking for three months i'm not going to get them to do that 95 percent that the real work they're there that it's maybe chance that they're going to evaluate that and that's something that I want to really change going forward. I know we've got that nailed down tight in complete control because we don't give people an opportunity. I, yeah, I, I talk to guys, business owners, execs, right, very successful people all day. And I'm like, you do realize that these patterns are running you. And they're like, well, I had a really happy childhood. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that a lot, but I'm so sorry. But you know, it's the, the truth is that childhood is traumatic and you have yeah. these decisions about yourself and they're controlling your behavior. Mm. So, um, you know, love, love that, love what you're saying there. Let's pause just for a brief moment. I just want to share with you some of the heartfelt feedback from our incredible Complete Control community members. Listen to this. 
I, I don't know how I signed up. I think I just got an ad on Instagram and just got a whim, just hit the button and did a call and then signed up and didn't really consciously think much about it. And then after that, I was like, what did I just sign up for? Wait a second here. Like far exceeded my expectations. I'm usually extremely skeptical. So I don't know how I even signed up in the first place, but whatever it was. Um, so it's just amazing how like the transformation that I've seen and even the drinking part is just kind of the super, it, it was the Achilles heel, but it's kind of just the superficial problem. And it's like, once I kind of clear that up, there's so much more possibility and, and, you know, the exploration discussions with Gary, with Candace have just been so powerful and kind of, they both kind of focus on a different area. And then with Glenn kind of looking at my data and with my co cohorts or classmates or, you know, it's just been just, everything has just been so powerful and kind of supportive of, you know, completing the whole picture of how I do this. Um, so just really grateful and, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and also just feel more grateful and not only just for all of you, but just, just in life in general, it's just a little bit more clarity and peace and calm and, and, and so forth. So I am incredibly grateful for this entire program, everybody on this call and everything that we were able to experience. Um, I think that it delivered more than I expected. Honestly, I, I, like I've said before, I've done a couple of like challenges and different things. And I think that this beyond, um, examining my relationship with alcohol and making, I think pretty good strides in, in, um, staying alcohol free. Um, I think it taught me a ton about myself and how to like examine my habits and my thoughts and those kind of, um, patterns and, ways to ways to approach the things that worried me the most in this in this experience um have just been invaluable i think i'm leaving feeling um in stronger in general more self-aware in general and um just really more anchored in who i want to be and what my values are and how i can you know take better steps to achieve those so it's been fantastic for me. And then again, the, our team, I, I really um, appreciate all the feedback and support from every single person on this call, but my cohort as well. It's been great. So I love everybody that I've met here. I have loved the program. I am not uh, an emotional person like this, but this has changed my life. It, it, it has given me a life. Um, and there's other things I need to do too, um, but I don't have to do a clock call anymore. So Thank you. It's been an amazing journey and a very, I appreciate the professionalism. Whenever I feel the stress, I, there's there's something that I can go back to, to everybody and the sharing from everybody and the professionalism of the program. So I loved it and I've grown a lot. So ups and kisses. One word is transformational. That's a word that's been bandied about for decades, but in this, it is absolutely accurate, if I was to use one word. This was a great investment. It's not it's not self-help, it's self-realization. It's um, super powerful, but it, it exceeded my expectations. Or maybe it was Sharon who said that, um, uh, or maybe I'm exceeding my expectations, and I like that. I mean, the program has been hugely, I'm hugely great for some program. I think the journey of for myself has been amazing. I mean, I remember telling, I don't know if it was Candace or Gary, the first three or four weeks of the program, I was like, I can't stop thinking about not drinking. It's just, it's in my head. I'm ha every day I'm thinking about not drinking. And it's it's like now I'm not even thinking about it. You know, it's just like my life has sort of stepped on. I'm excited about the future. Um, things are looking good. Things are looking good. I just love sharing the things people are saying about our complete control program. Okay, let's get back into the episode. So in your um, understanding, how does somebody go about um, um, changing this yeah. subconscious programming? Well, I really think, I mean, this, there's, a, there's a lot of new studies out there. I mean, I would, um, 
I'm really intrigued by the work of uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza and also totally. Dr. Bruce Lipton. I think some of their stuff is absolutely incredible. Um, now, first of all, I would, you know, first of all, people have got to address that they, they've got to address their issues. If they can't address their issues and they're going to just sit there and say, yeah, but I had a great childhood and everything was fine. It was all lovely and this, that, and the other. Um, I think the, to get any kind of stability or get any kind of, um, uh, headway in life, we've always got to be aiming for something that's bigger. And regardless of where we are, you know, it doesn't matter how financially stable you are. If we start to plateau, we start to get bored, we start to get feel quite lacking in self-worth. And that's why, you know, we always have to have something that's that's bigger than us. You know, I mentioned before about how we change, you know, the three the three keys to changing the subconscious mind. But really for me, it's got you've got to got to really start to understand what you want. What do you want? You know, what's holding you back? And I think a lot of it is the fact you you need to, for the first time for me, when I actually came back and I really did that work on myself, it was 2000, you know, I started thinking about suicide and this and the other. I heard of, I never attempted it, um, but I just didn't see a way out. And I just, you know, and really suicide is the path of least resistance. It's, it's actually an easy way out. Um, yeah. And it never, it's, ne it's never the right way. Um, but for me, it was like, I started to think, well, why am I just getting a repeat pattern of the same? For the last 10 years since I've come out of the military, I am just going around in a circle, getting the same thing that's happened to me on a different scale, different places. I went over to Australia, into into Iraq, into Baghdad, all over Southeast Asia doing stuff. And the, the same shit just followed me around. It was like, it was no different. It was just mayhem. Um, so I started to think, why does that happen? And we've got to understand there's always... A, where wherever you're at there there's always an opposite and i started to think what am i doing at the moment i hated everything i hated my upbringing i hated the fact i hated the military I, ha I hated everything worst of all i hated myself but the more we focus on anything the bigger it becomes so for me i started to think what's the opposite of what i'm doing then and i started to think of a visualization of what do i look like what does the person i want to be look like yeah and once i created that vision in my head I then did something more powerful and that powerful and that was add emotion. What does it feel like to be that person? So every time I had those negative feeling, feelings and the feelings and thoughts in my head, well, they obviously start with thoughts first. I would then change that up and start to visualize that person. And yeah, it is difficult, especially sometimes when you're really low, but I would always make sure that I spent time focusing on that person. Did you write it down? Did you yeah, I did write it down out from. Yeah, I, I, find, I find if yeah. I go to, if I, if I haven't prepared, if I go to visualization, mm. like 150 times out of 100, it will be very different. And, yeah. And there's like, it's just, it's whatever, yeah. random. Sometimes it's too noisy, to. isn't it? Yeah, too noisy. Yeah, too, too noisy. And I'd, I'd, I, actually, I actually made a contract, a, an official contract, and I wrote a contract out to myself that I would repeat every day. Um. And this is this is really when I went into that house. And, I, you know, the focus, the, the most important project was me, and that's not changed since. Um, and that was really every day I went through that mind, body, and nutrition. And I did stuff like I wrote it down on a contract. I would read that every possible time I could. And the real test for me was I can remember I said, right, go, on, go and look at yourself in the mirror and, and read that out. And I could not do it. You know, I went, I went to the mirror and it was like, I laughed at myself, not laughed. I was embarrassed. I went, no, you look stupid. You think we've got this thousand person audience that's critiquing it. It's just your ego. Um, and now I sat down, I remember sitting down and thinking, if you can't tell yourself what you want, how can you ever expect to achieve it? Yeah. Really, really, that was it. You know, it was, it was like starting to visualize on what I wanted to be. So, and then really it's about taking positive direction you can't outthink a, a, a negative thought you know if you've got programming that's been going on for years you can't sit there and outthink that you've got to take action you know so we had to take it for an emotional desire and start to write down and for me i you know it was it was about having a goal system it was 12 months for me i actually got a cd for the people that don't know what a cd is <laughs> Most of my podcast listeners will, <laughs> including a tape. You know, I actually wrote it. I wrote it out. I had two things. I actually, I actually drew around the CD and I split it up into the hands of a clock. So you had all the hands. And basically at the top, I put breakpoint. And then every month of that clock, 
I put something I needed to achieve to get to my 12 o'clock position. Mm-hmm. 12 months, you know, for me, the first one was to, to control my drinking. Didn't believe it. That stage I could do that. So really it was that step-by-step process. And it was like really starting to, 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 um, to, to have a roadmap to that change. I think that's the only way we need to do it. We can do it. And you've got to make sure that you've got a strong enough why, because if you don't, you will not be able to put up with the discomfort of change mm. when you go back into that repeat habit loop. So really, it's just creating a desire and you've got to be selfish as well. You don't do it for other people. It's really for you. You know, it has to be for you um, and, and really start to build that roadmap. Super powerful, super powerful. Mm. And and I love how you put, I mean, it really is. Alcohol is, it just fucks everything else up. And, yeah. and um, so if it's in a place where it is out of control in any shape of imagination, um, mm. then it's going to be having a significant limiting fact on all of these bigger goals, all of these bigger plans, all of these bigger dreams and things like that. Um, so what are, what are all the things you're up to? You're doing some corporate um, work at the moment, which is the main focus. Yeah. Um, what other amazing things you're doing? If if somebody wanted to dive into one of your books, which would they go for first? The most recent one um, sounds like it is fairly encapsulating. Yeah. First of all, I want to go back quickly because one thing I forgot to say to you. Mm-hmm. One thing I'll say about creating change is we can't go back to fix a broken or, or a bad habit, but we can create something that is stronger and more powerful. That, that really takes us away more positive yeah. more positive and it becomes a lot more powerful than everything else so but to go back and try and address the issue you know that doesn't work so it's not about breaking bad habits it's about building positive ones building something that's more powerful and more and you're more passionate about so yeah um yeah so when it comes to the books i mean i bought the uh, most recent one was how to survive almost anything um, <laughs> you know so the, there's pretty much all the stuff in there around you know, every kind of event you can imagine from getting caught out in, in, you know, a really bad situation where you're in the cold or in a, in a hot environment or whatever, you know, basic survival skills is something other, but the real focus on that is, is your mindset. You know, the best weapon you've got in a survival situation is your mind. So, you know, really for me, that was, that was, that was the focus of that book. People getting their heads into the fact that it doesn't matter what the scenario is. You've got to get your head sorted out. And if you haven't got your head sorted out, any situation will 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 batter you. Basically, you will be compromised. Yeah, but for me, it's um, you know, I've uh, I'm I'm thinking of going, I'm thinking of self-publishing my future books. <laughs> Had enough of the publishers. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the publishers aren't listening because they're narrative. They want to control the narrative, and I want to be able to beat my mind. You know what I mean? It's like. I can remember when I went to my publisher and I was like, my passion is really about self-development books. And at the end of the day, they, they're like, well, there's so many out there. And I'm like, I don't care. They're not, they're not yeah. for me. And it's, it's my perspective and everything else. So for me, it's like, you know, I want to, I want to go out there and do some self-published stuff and, and, and look at, you know, a book. The other things I'm doing at the moment. So I've got my, we, we've basically launched an app now because, um, you know, we're doing our sort of face-to-face events. It was the fact that we couldn't scale up. You know, everyone see the bloke off the telly. Um, so really, it's, it's about creating um, this app that we put into corporate organizations that it's all linked to AI, so all my content it consumes. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, I'm doing Climbing Everest next year um, in April. So really, for me, it's about, you know, there's so many people out there that try and be an influence, and they're still banging out, banging on about the benchmark of the past. Yeah. You know, just what... This is what I did 20 years ago. What are you doing now? You know, that's very, that's very commendable about what you did 20 years ago, but what are you doing now? And I think it's important that if you are going to go out there and inspire people and being, you know, being motivating people and everything else that you've got to be doing, you've got to be doing the work, mm. you know? So for me, you know, the, the, the stuff about sobriety and every time I speak to anyone about sobriety, it's like, are you still doing that thing? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, I give up drinking. He's laughing. You mean, yeah, exactly. You didn't know the thing you're doing. No, I'm not doing that thing. That's you know, the thing, comes, you know, the thing you've just taken a holiday and you're just going to end up, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've given up that. I'm drinking again now. So, yeah, that, to me, it's about pushing that message out there. You know, it's um, it's really important. 
completely. Well, you and I are fully aligned on that one for sure. Mm. Let's let's compare it for a moment to the drunken night out, where you mm. can say the same thing again and again and again and again and again, and then the following day the person still have no recollection of what you've said. And that's a bit like what happens if somebody comes to you saying, I need help, but I'm still drinking. Yeah. And you're like, look, at the end of the day, I'm just going to say the same shit to you and you're not going to listen to me because yeah. you're, you're, you're stuck in this loop of needing alcohol, of, of numbing out, of, of, of everything else. Mm-hmm. So let's address that bit first because it literally opens up the doorway to everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, you're sitting here saying mindset is the most important thing. Mm. Why do you actively want to take something which is going to destroy that? At every step mm. is going to to negate any kind of control over a strong mindset because it's the world's most powerful depressant readily available, right? Yeah. This, on the bottle, this is going to make you have anxious and depressive, possibly even suicidal thoughts. Yeah. You know, why do yeah. you take that? The issue is it's so prevalent in society, right? It's so normalized. It's so prevalent. You can throw these constructs around it. Um, but you're doing something awesome um, yeah. to inspire Which some is- more people yeah, absolutely. Which is really the focus of me being on air with you, Rory. <laughs> you know, so um, Tell me. we'd not spoken for a long time. And I thought, we need to get in touch with Rory because he was at the start of my journey and et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, so basically we have come up with an event. We, we've been very conscious about the um, amount of people now signing up for Dry Jan. And I know there's, uh, you know, the Sober October and everything else. But Dry Jan is really the big one. It's a chance for people to give their minds and their bodies a, a break from alcohol, and um, a number of people do choose to carry on that journey after the, after 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 they've actually gone through dry, dry jam. They feel the benefits, and I think that's the thing as well. You know, it's like you can't sit here and actually talk. You can't sit there and convince someone that drinks constantly is that's part of their lives of the benefits of not drinking. People have to hundred percent experience what that feels like. And it's not the big scary road that, you know, or what, what's going to happen to my life? I'm going to have no friends, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, 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 it's absolutely amazing, but they have to experience that. So anyway, Dry Jan coming up this year, and we really wanted to do something in that space because I've always been conscious that it was so important for me when I gave up drinking that I needed something, a hinge pin at the end to actually achieve something at the end. Something at the end that was aiming for. When you don't have something you're aiming for, you can get lost in it you know what i mean you sidetracked all over the sidetracked distracted and before you know it you you you're back to back to square one so really for us we created a thing and it's the same place that you went rory for your experience with breakpoint oh very cool that's the birthplace of uh breakpoint which is a place called pippinford park we're doing a 10k so basically throughout the month of january we are guiding people we're holding their hand if you want to call it that and helping them through January, but giving them something at the end of Jan that they can, you know, that they can achieve. And, and that is a 10K race. Now, we're doing that physically in Pippinford Park in East Sussex on the 28th, I think it is, of January. Have you got a calendar there? I think it is the 28th. Uh, I almost have a calendar here. <laughs> I will do. Yep. Let me say, because I need to get that right if it's not. Um I've got. Uh, I had the link. January twenty seventh. It is on January the twenty seventh at Pippinford Park. But people can also sign up so they can do it virtually, you know, or they can do it from um, their local area and ten k's and really, you know, show themselves that not only have they given up drink for a month, but they've got fit along the way. They've got their minds fit. They've got their bodies fit, and they will feel absolutely amazing. And maybe. Maybe you might be that person who can't imagine life without alcohol that gets to the end of jam and goes, you know what? I'm going to carry this on. That's it. Well, bring one of those people along with you. (laughs) Because the thing about it is Jan, for most people, has likely been depressing, avoiding social circles, um, hiding away, spending time on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, saying, this is so boring, not drinking, dry January, can't wait for February all of that rubbish. Yeah. Um, and they've white knuckled and held their way through it. And a big element of what they're missing is connection. Like the look at the work where mm-hmm. Johan Harry, everything we know about addiction is wrong. The opposite of addiction is connection. And we need yeah. to go in search of more connection. So what's better than getting together with a bunch of people, having a run which releases dopamine, celebrating the amazingness of um, Dry Jan and the wonderful work that Alcohol Concern are doing and the wonderful work that you guys are doing 
in conjunction with them. So yeah, sounds like an, uh, an amazing thing to do. Um, yeah, I'm not going to promise to be there because, um, you know, I don't live in the country. Otherwise, I would promise. <laughs> and, and where you live is hotter. Is that what you're trying to say? It's hotter, uh, warmer, nicer. Um, it probably won't be raining that day. <laughs> where we, can zoom, we can zoom you in, literally. Um, we can do a virtual job from Mallorca. Maybe we can have our own Pippingford Park run in Mallorca. Sure you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know what? We want to create a bit of a community. So at the end of the race, it's not just, you know, collect your your medal or whatever and then go you know we're going to have a bit of a community there we're going to have some talks on some influential people there uh, and all the way throughout january we're basically going to have you know podcasts mentorships training programs everything so the more you want to get involved the better and um yeah it's, it's really exciting and i think that'll be the first of many uh initiatives that we'll be offering um to really start to affect change i mean really for me Rory, it's like if i was going to give so now, and we work with some big organizations and we will be working with some, you know, especially in the light, you imagine the lights of construction. You imagine if they could get a grip on their relationship or their, 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 or, you know, the people that work from their relationship around alcohol, their organization will change overnight. You know, I'm not saying everyone's got to stop drinking. I've just got, you know, you, you created within that organization, you created for the majority something bigger than going out to the pub every chance they get or, yeah. or at home cracking open a couple of beers or whatever. Um, and that's really... Yeah, well, this is this is yeah, exactly the conversation we're having. And it's not abstinence-based because, you know, there are, I, we've, I've done a lot of that for years and, and, and I saw many people go back to problematic drinking. And so I was like, well, I need to help people in a more and greater way. And this is like the exact conversation similarly we're having with corporates is to say, look, let's, let's become preventative with people, right? Yeah. What people are looking for is to drink less. Mm -hmm. um, and I think taking a break in January is an amazing thing to do. Then let's not use that as an excuse to continue on for the rest of the year. Um, let's make sure that we reset it. And like you said, all the way through this podcast, um, it's about doing the work um, yeah. and getting people, inspiring them to do the work. So um, amazing amazing good stuff you're doing out there so just head to dryjanuary10k.org dryjanuary10k.org and you will find out all the details um for the run um if you're not in the uk i'm sorry uh if you are in the uk what's your excuse get down there go and give it a shot and meet lots of amazing people who are trying to change their relationship with alcohol which is what this journey is about connecting with more people on a similar journey um, and hopefully get inspired by some more speakers and amazing people like that who are going to be there. And Ollie's going to be there to high-five you all at the finish line. Aren't you, Ollie? I'm, I'm actually going to do the 10K race as well. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're going to do it the fastest time of the day. Yeah. Then we're going to high-five everyone at the end. I know, I know all the shortcuts. and know that place well. Ollie, it's really great to have you on the show and um, look forward to doing more wonderful things with you down in the future. Where do people go to find out more from you? We've obviously got dry January 10K, sorry, dryjanuary10k.org for the site. Yeah, and then my my website, which, which is pretty much, we've amalgamated everything into our website, really. So it's, it's all the W's break, B-R-E-A-K hyphen point dot co dot uk or just put it into google you'll find me but um or ollie dot ollerton on instagram don't send them lots of dms <laughs> you reply to them all i know you do oh of course i spend most of my nights doing that yeah yeah good lad thanks very much for coming right on the show ollie yeah. doing the work you're doing pleasure we'll keep you posted mate 